one of the things it was funny i was speaking uh with a girlfriend of mine the other day like we live in a throwaway society nowadays right you're listening to creatives making money the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Hello and welcome to the Creatives Making Money podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, and I'm so excited to have Nichelle Bartley here with me today. She is amazing and she has so much wisdom to share with you. I'm pumped and so grateful that she's here. So Nichelle is a seasoned financial strategist and project manager with over 19 years of experience. Like just let that sink in for a second. 19 years. Uh, She empowers female entrepreneurs to become true CEOs of their money. And she has a compassionate mentorship mentorship approach where she guides women to get in touch with their money story, which I'm so excited to talk about today, so that they can create and implement money goals that will increase their income and create consistent cash flow to both build wealth and help them afford their vision board dreams. I mean, I know what it's like to have a vision board. I'm, I'm, do you have a vision board, Nichelle? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. I'm so excited to have you with us today. I'm so excited to be here, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So um, do you have a vision board? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> are, you, are you open to sharing what's on your vision board with us or is it too soon for a question like that? Oh, I'm definitely open to that. For sure. Shoot away. (laughs) Tell us what's on your vision board. Well, on my vision board, I have dreams to go to Italy. Um, I have, you know, your material things. I have a particular home that I want. Mm. Not far from where I live right now. Um, And just a lot of more experiences is what I have on my vision board. Being able to spend time with my son, uh, my parents. Travel. Travel is a huge thing for me. And then also being able to give back to the community is a big thing for me. I have dreams myself of one day creating some form of a foundation of really helping single moms um, to really give them a hand up to get them to where they need to be within their career. Because it isn't so much the situation of a single mom that's struggling, like she's doing okay, but when you reach a certain income bracket, you don't necessarily get as much help as those who are in a lower income bracket. So mm-hmm. I know what that was like. I was there. So that's, that's dreams that I have. <laughs> that's 
so beautiful. Since you're kind of taking us there already, um, when you say, I know what that's like because I was there, would you share your, you know, I, you talk, you talk money stories with your clients. So I feel like I can just come right out and ask, like, what do you consider to be your money story? Well, my money story, of course, has its ups and its downs. Um, I grew up middle class. Um, I didn't really see a situation where we didn't have, but there were there was obviously comments that were made. You know, the the whole is money doesn't grow on trees, um, and those other jokes and adages that your parents would say. And my parents are from Trinidad, so West Indian background, so full of their own ways that they think money should work, right? So they they're coming from one country, they're coming to another country, and their way of managing money isn't necessarily the way that people would manage money here, but um, never wanted for anything per se. But I did see that, well, obviously I didn't come from a well-to-do family, so we had to work for everything that we had. And I was pretty organized with having my money, but also you would feel that within myself, what I've had to work on is feeling you know, that adage of frugal and not having enough. Should I really be spending money on this? Because I should use it for something else and not being able to let go of having money and being able to do things with it. I've had stories with about debt, being in, you know, well over $150,000 in debt at one point, um, going to school, student loans, consumer debt, the whole nine, and paying all of those things off. So, yeah, my money story is quite entangled <laughs> back in the day, but I've really worked on getting a lot better with my money. I have a much better relationship with my money. I understand what it needs to do for me. It's not what um, I'm not letting it lead me. I lead my money. Mm. Do you think that that's kind of do you see that a lot with clients that you work with where you feel like their money is leading them or like that they're not, you know, that, that the money is the more is, is overpowering them in some way. Does that make sense? Yes. So what I do see is yes, that instance of the money is leading them as opposed to the other way around because the goals aren't necessarily established with um, what those what the quantification is that you need money for. You know that you need things, you know that you want experiences, but at the same time, because of everybody's own entangled money story, because everybody has one, um, it could show up in different ways. So as the entrepreneur, we, I've seen numerous uh, other entrepreneurs where they really feel awkward with charging their, their quote unquote worth for, um, what they, what services or products that they offer. And then the resentment that comes along with it because their ends aren't meeting the way they want it to. What do you think are, you mentioned this before when you were talking about kind of, you know, your parents having a different money mindset than you have, or that you feel is like what other people would, would have, um, and kind of making that transition and like shifting worlds, you know, from like Trinidad to, to, did you grow up in Toronto? Yes, I did. Yeah. I did. 
So like making that transition from Trinidad to Toronto and like, what do you think were the biggest, cause you mentioned like um, that what comes up is like, oh, well you should spend money on this or like you shouldn't spend money on this. I'm curious, what do you, what do you think the biggest shoulds are that like come up for you or that you see coming up that like are the most taboo things that you would, you know, consider spending money on or, or just the, like that y- you would identify as coming from maybe that, that like distinction of worlds. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. So you say like my parents would think that these are the good things to spend money on versus yes. where you're more yes. westernized. You'd be like, oh no, I could spend money on this. And they would like just balk at it. Yes. So, so I'm curious, like, what are those things that in, in, the, in the sense that like you still hear them in your own head? You know what I mean? Yes. So maybe you like don't even hear them anymore. I don't, you know. What did I think? It was funny. I was speaking uh, with a girlfriend of mine the other day. Like we live in a throwaway society nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up seeing my, my father fix everything, right? We didn't like if something went wrong, he would fix it. Like, and like shoe, even as simple as shoes. Like I remember going, there was a shoemaker, um, not where, not too far from where I grew up. And, you know, if something was wrong with a shoe, I would take it to the shoemaker and they get it fixed. And now it's like, you know, I remember, I think it was about a year ago or some something. And I was saying to my father, I'm like, oh, well, I, I need to get a new pair of boots because these winter boots are going through, but they looked pretty decent still right and he's like well why don't you just take it to shoemaker and I'm like where I'm like I'm just gonna get a new one he's just like wow you kids nowadays you just like to spend money on <laughs> just frivolously right so they still have that adage of of fixing things whereas and we're just like no because we see in many instances too that to go and fix something nowadays because there's so less shoemakers or sh- uh, shoe fixers around it costs even just as much as buying a, a brand new pair of shoes in some instances. So I was like, forget it. <laughs> it's so fascinating too, because I feel like part of that is also like the quality of who you get. <laughs> now. It's, not, it's not what it used to be, right? Like, true. you know, the, the level of care and attention, you know, when things were more, I want to say artisanal, <laughs> I want to yeah. use that word, it's but I true. feel like that's, it is. It's like when we, when that was our, you know, you had your craft, you did your craft, that was your craft. You did it well and the quality was high and it wouldn't, you wouldn't need like a high turnover. Um, whereas now like we can just go blow a ton of money at H and M and like throw everything out next season mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. whatever. Yeah. Although if yeah. I'm being totally honest, I definitely still have, I actually definitely have tops from H and M that I've had for quite a a few years. Yep. Uh, so do yeah. I. So. <laughs> I think I don't, I don't know what that says about us, but I'm <laughs> I think you know what it is after a certain, after you reach a certain point in your life and you realize that, you know what, I don't need to be in the latest of trends. You, you just buy things that will last you a longer period of time or something that really jives with you as opposed to what is in at the time. Mm-hmm. What do you, so, so that's one thing. Is there any, is there any other should that stands out to you or like a a few more, anything that comes up frequently? That's like a, just a very big difference or, um, something that you kind of hear in your head when you're thinking about buying something or making an investment. 
I think from for myself, um, like I don't have a problem spending large amounts of money on when it comes to improving myself or trying to help a situation. Um, it's the odd, the odd thing because I used to struggle with that piece. But the odd thing is, it's it's this, it's these small things, right? So it's just like, do I really need to spend my money on that? So um, I was looking for a new a new lamp, a new floor lamp the other day, and um, like one floor lamp was let's say I think one hundred and twenty five dollars. And then the other one was say like 140. And I was saying to myself, I'm like, but there's not that much difference between the other ones. Although the other one was a little bit nicer. I'm just like, Ugh, I'll just take the 125 one, right? Cause I'm just like, I'm gonna justify the other $15 for it. I can use it for something else. Like I don't really need to, right? But mm-hmm. it's, it's weird. It's those small little things sometimes you're just like, no, I could take that $15 and buy something else, which I did. Mm-hmm. I needed a book, so I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, okay, forget it, right? So it, it sometimes is those little things, but I'm glad for the, the part that I've been able to move past the humps on the larger, bigger, t- big ticket items. Because at one point in my life, that was a block for me. Mm-hmm. How did you, how did you become, like, how did you become a, a professional financial strategist? Like, how did you decide to be someone who focuses on money and helps people with financial strategy and like, yeah. So my background when I first left school was uh, with in accounting and financial planning. That's what I went to school for. So I did the traditional financial roles. Um, I was an investment advisor. I was a mutual fund at, um evaluator. I, you know, worked with corporate clients. I worked with individual clients. Uh, And then what ended up happening um, was that I transitioned into project management, right? I started working on different projects uh, in my careers through the different financial companies that I worked for and then transitioned into that. So how I ended up getting into financial strategy uh, for whether it be the entrepreneur or the corporate warrior is really looking at where I see there are gaps within the market. Many, especially when it comes to us women, we understand finances from the aspect of, you know, well, you have to make money, number one, but then there's the aspect of saving for your retirement or saving for your child's education or buying a home or a car. Right, they don't really teach you about the really ins and outs of how you really start to manage your money, your cash flow. Nobody really teaches you about cash flow uh, from a personal finance perspective or from a business uh, perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So I would see, especially in my days when I was working as an investment advisor and speaking to people and looking at their accounts. And many of them would come to me and say, okay, well, I need to invest X amount of money in this or that, but they had other accounts within the bank. So you can see the full picture, like from an income perspective, the cash that they had and other investments. And you could see that they're telling me like, you know, they're just cash strapped, but you know, I just, I just feel I need to put this money here. And it's just like, it used to irk me (laughs) because I'm like, but you're investing all this money, but you don't have anything excess to really 
do anything else. You're just working to pay for a mortgage and you're putting something away for retirement and anything else in between that you're just going into debt for. So that was, that really stuck out at me. And um, it made me really realize how much uh, that is needed. And I would work with friends and stuff before I even decided to start doing this and really rejig how they were managing their finances and how they looked at their money. Cause everyone has these dreams of, you know, being able to afford what's on their vision board dream on their vision board or being able to say, you want to become wealthy, but that takes a lot of intention, a lot of focus and you need to know your numbers and people don't know what those numbers are. Why don't people know what their numbers are? I think for many of us, we don't take the time to quantify it. Mm. We don't break it down. We don't quantify it. And then um, we don't, I think one of the, the, the traps that we fall into is not realizing that the more that you know what those numbers are, it will start to dictate what you need to be doing from uh, an income perspective what you really need to be working on or focusing on to put yourself on a path to get there because it's not about the money but the money will tell you in many instances what direction you're going in Mm -hmm. what do you think is the hardest thing um you know particularly for the types of clients that you work with what do you think is the hardest thing when it comes to dealing with money when you have your own business you know, where you're an entrepreneur and you're yeah. like, uh, you know, you're, whether you're just starting out or you're three years in, like, what do you think is the biggest challenge that you see people having? I think it's the now for now, like just looking within the immediate scope, not being able to long-term plan uh, for, their, for their cash needs, because in many instances, the cash flow is cyclical. So... Some people haven't built a business where it's consistent levels of cash flow every single month. And that could really be challenging for most entrepreneurs, especially when you're leaving, coming from a nine to five job where you were getting a regular paycheck every two weeks, every other week or whatever duration you were getting it in and then starting a business and it's those ups and those downs. And then really understanding too as well that, your business, the opportunity that entrepreneur has is that you can really turn up or down the dial as to how much cash you can make, which in turn can make you a lot wealthier quicker if you know what you're doing with your money correctly, right? But it's very uh, narrow scoped and saying, okay, well, I just need to be able to make this amount of money to cover the bills type of thing and not really looking at the broader scope of the different things that you want to experience. So hence why I go back to saying you being able to have more than enough cash flow to afford your vision born dreams, as opposed to going into debt for it and being able to save for those other things that will eventually allow you to be wealthy. When you say that like one of the biggest issues they have is not being able to plan for their cash needs or not seeing consistent levels of cash flow every month, Mm -hmm. what do you then like, do you give recommendations to people for like, here's how you could create more consistent cash flow? Um, Like how, what happens? (laughs) Are you just like, I'm sorry, clients. Like, I don't know how to plan because I don't 
you don't know how to plan? Like, I don't. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm guessing I you're not. I'm guessing you don't say something like that because that would be really rude. And not, that, not, that would at all be weird. The, not at all the, the cozy mentorship that I know you actually provide. Yes. <laughs> no, I think really what it is when you start to see, uh, and this is minus the person who's just starting out, it, of course, it's going to be a little bit bumpy. But when most entrepreneurs get into business, uh, it's, it's more based on the passion that they have for it as opposed to the business mind for it. So usually in looking at working with, with their finances and going through things, because I'm a project manager as well and I work in business processes and those other aspects, I understand where to find those profit, profit leaks and gaps in their processes that are causing them to have uh, the issues where there's inconsistent income and actually looking at their habits and their behaviors in regards to how are you generating your leads? How are you um, even managing the cash flow that you do get? Because even if you have a situation where, let's say you make 15 grand one month, um, five the next, but your, your own business expenses, let's say, I'm putting it very low here, is only uh, $2,000 and your home expenses are only $3,000, right? So between those two, that's five grand. You can manage yourself to be allocating that cash, five grand for one month, five grand for the next month, right? When you know you got a one month where it was 15 grand, you take 10 grand of it and you put it aside to make sure that you can take care of everything else. And it's what I, what's very important too is that you know what you're like, you're, your three-tiered uh, cake budget is, is what I would call for people. What's your, where your bottom tier is, which is your foundational items, which is the bare things that you need to keep everything on, right? And a little bit more. And then you have your really comfy um, budget. And then you have one that's like really doing really, really well. So at a bare minimum, your business needs to be bringing in what that bottom tier cake level is. I love that you made it a cake because yes. now it's more appealing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's fine. Financial yes. strategy is just a three-layer cake. Exactly. To worry about, and then it's actually a piece of cake. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Okay, we're done. This interview's over. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we peaked. We peaked. There's no coming. There's no going up from here. <laughs> joking. Um, I'm curious. What do you think most creative people that you work with, because I know some of your clients are highly creative too, mm-hmm. um, what do you think most creative people do wrong when it comes to bridging the gap between being passionate and generating a profit? It's like they're thinking, it, it's kind of like the adage of, you know, love solves all problems, <laughs> right? It's like, I just love what I'm doing and it will solve everything. And I'm like, Yes, I, I believe in love too, but we, you have to quantify things. You really have to break things down and begin to understand that, okay, you may want to be able to help everybody that you can and not charge as much as you feel that you want to. But I personally have seen when I've worked with clients and we've actually gone in talked about what are those things that they really want. So looking at your vision board and saying, okay, well, how much is all of this going to really cost you and really start breaking that down 
and showing what that number is and then showing and saying, okay, well, for this year alone, you need to be making this amount of money because you didn't go into entrepreneurship to just pay bills. That's not what you're doing this for. Or else you could have just sat there in, in a simple job and do that. So you want your freedom. You want the financial freedom as well. So you have to do the necessary planning and execution of these plans in order to get there. So once you start to put those things down into a way that they can understand it and see that there's numbers that come along with it, then they start to understand, well, oh no, I can't be giving everybody and their grandmother a discount because I won't be able to get to where it is that I need to be. And it's not about feeling scarce or feeling um, scared about what that number is. It's, it's, it's a guiding post for them. Mm-hmm. I'm curious um, if it's hard, you know, because you help other people with this, do you think it's hard to, to do for yourself? And I, I mean for you specifically, but I also mean like, um, I also mean like entrepreneurs or um, corporate warriors managing their own money or kind of like doing their own planning or their own projections or their own. Um, do you think that there are specific challenges that show up when you're doing it with your own money versus someone else's? Well, you know what? I could procrastinate just as much as the other girl when I'm ready, <laughs> if I'm honest, <laughs> right? Like, you know, you got everything. Okay, I'll do this later, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, I think with myself, like I've always liked being organized with my money. So it's not a situation where I'll go months without looking at it. So I didn't do my money date this week and it'll be the next following week that I'll do it. Right. So I am susceptible to these things. Life gets in the way. I'm, I am definitely not perfect. Right. But I do know because I've been doing it so much, I know when I'm about to go off path. Right. And I know how to quickly correct. That's the difference where versus um, somebody that, is either new to this or have, ha, hasn't had the time to actually embed a lot of these characteristics that it, it's, a, it's a mountain climb for them at first, right? It's like going to the gym. You've been going to the gym for like 10 years straight, you're good. You, you backslide for like a month and you go back to the gym, you're not gonna hurt as somebody, just as much as somebody that didn't work out for a year. Mm-hmm. Because your body's already adapt to it, right? Even though you took that one month off. Totally. Um, where, so I'm just, when you first like bring on a new client or start working with someone for the first time, what's the first step that you typically give to people? Like what is the first step to, to just assess like, are they really disorganized? Do they have the structures in place that they need to assess and financial to assess their, their, you know, a snapshot of their finances and like plan and create, you know, create a strategy that, that works for them. Like what's, what's the, the easy first step that a, you need clients to do and like B you tell anyone that they have to do, um, that they should do for themselves. So like everyone listening, this is the thing that I'm going to tell you to do. (laughs) We're going to tell you to do. Um, Yes. Yeah. The first thing that I start with clients, believe it or not, is not with their finances. 
Oh. I don't start with their finances. I get them to think about their vision. What mm. do you really want to do? Right? Because we need to get that to the forefront. So my first step with clients is like asking them a series of questions. There's the questionnaire that I usually give them and it is nothing to do with money. It's like, if you had, what, what would your ideal day be like? What do you, where do you see yourself in particular um, timeframes? What are you grateful for right now? Um, you know, what do you want to change about yourself? Like really getting them to start thinking about that and then guiding them to, if you have a vision board, let's take it back out and review it. And if you don't, and it isn't about going and necessarily taking, um, getting the whole Bristol board and the whole, the whole nine. It's more or less, even if you're just writing it out in categories, what are these things that you see yourself as doing? If I give you free time and no limits, you tell me what that is. Because it's important that we start with that. Because if I start with where you're at and where you're at doesn't look too pretty, it can be discouraging. Uh, but you think it's less discouraging? Do you, you think it's less discouraging for someone to build a vision board and then be like, and I'm living in a, a 10 by 10 room in my mother's basement. And no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> when I started, for real though, when I started my business, I was huh? living in a 10 by 10 room in my mom's house. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was like the privilege box was checked because I had a room I could live in and pay very little money for. Right. right? So that gave me the leverage that I needed mm-hmm. to start my business in yep. the beginning many years ago. And so I'm obviously making that joke, but I'm also talking about like, um, you know, that we do need to have that long-term vision and like, and be able to manage the challenge of, yep. of saying, oh, I really want that. But like, there's this big distance between where I am now and where I'm going and it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to happen tomorrow. And it's not even necessarily going to happen in three years, but at least if I have that, you know, I've laid that path and I've done that work, like I can get there. Right. Exactly. And what's key is that I stress with my clients is that your, your vision is incremental. Mm. It is not an overnight thing. It's an incremental journey, right? So you take a long road trip and, you know, you've drive down an interstate or any long highway. After a certain amount of kilometers, you keep hitting those highway gas rest stop areas. Yeah, because you got to pee because you have yes. a bladder the size of a... Right? No, that's, that's, that's just me, guys. No, that's me too. <laughs> right? But it's, it's, yeah, it seems long, but you have to hit certain points. So just the same way that we take this journey, whether it be, well, I'm in kilometers, so kilometers <laughs> and miles, X amount of kilometers that you need to drive, that's you getting to a certain point. And ideally, you're going to be doing certain activities, continuing doing what you need to do. And that milestone point in the whole journey should be you tackling something off of there or um, getting towards a certain amount of money in order to get you to the next stop. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's about understanding, yeah, this seems like this is crazy. I don't know how I'm going to do this. But it's not about figuring out the how right away. At least you know where the numbers are. And then you start to break it down further. And you say, okay, well, 
this year, this is what I'm going to focus on. This I, out of my vision board, I want to make sure I'm, I'm taking care of these things or I actually experience this. What is my output, meaning your income? What do you need to bring in? What do you need to be doing with, with your time in order to be serving somebody else or people or whoever to be able to bring that, that, that return in so you could do what you need to do? Mm, preach. <laughs> <laughs> do you have an early memory around money? You know, like, can you remember the first time that you handled money or like bought something yourself or I don't know, is there anything that sticks out to you? I remember my dad, my dad used to, I think he still does. He used to, whenever he used to get new coins and new bills, um, I remember he would go to the bank. He used to take me with him go to the bank and get whatever money. Well, this is back in the day. I used to take money out of the bank. I had to tell her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am I aging myself? Um, I remember and, this too. <laughs> right? And um, you get the new whatever bill that came out. And I remember him giving me, like he would give me the dollar to hold or the coin to hold and look at it. Like I always remember that. Like that was such a predominant memory for me. Anytime these things happen, like – I think it's up to even I was about 10 or so. My dad, me and my dad had that, um, that ritual. Okay, we're going to go to the bank and we're going to get, change, it, change whatever you need to change just to get a brand new bill. And he would like house them in this whatever um, sleeve thing and whatnot. So I remember that very clearly. What did that feel like? It felt it felt exciting. Like it's something very new. Right. So it's like, Oh, and it just felt like it was something to be treasured because you were exchanging something that was, could have been, it, it wasn't crinkly or creased or anything. And you got this brand new, fresh, crisp bill and you had to take care of it. Right. It was just a one bill, but you know, you just had a lot more respect for the bill than you did like, a crumpled $1 bill that you may have had in your pocket. Mm -hmm. That was really, that always stuck stuck out for me. It's so, it's so amazing because um, it's like, I can literally see and feel and smell the money that you're talking about when you tell Mm -hmm. that story. (laughs) It's also so interesting that, that it was like, you know, it was something to be treasured. And I think it's so interesting that for you, even from a very early age that you were really, that this environment around money was, there was a a reverence to it, right? Like it was special and it was a ritual and it was something that you were taught to really treasure and take care of. And I think that that's so beautiful and also such a wonderful thing that you bring to your clients now that you're able to have this attitude towards money where you respect it and you have reverence for it and you want to treat it really well. And um, it's, that's just such a beautiful moment in your relationship with money. Um, so yeah, yeah, I like that's like a, I'm just I'm enamored. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I'm such a creep. I'm like I'm just saying. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> um, no, it's it's really truly beautiful. I'm curious um, to just to circle back to, you know, your cause that's really close to your heart about kind of helping single mothers really, you know. Um, 
get pulled up and kind of lift themselves out of some of the challenges of single motherhood and their careers. Would you be open to sharing a little bit more about about your own experience with that and and kind of um, you know what you've maybe pulled yourself through that you feel so inspired to help others? Sure. Um, again, like I know I I was a single mom when I was nineteen. My son is twenty two now, so it was it was really it wasn't a hand to mouth situation, but I had a lot of student loan debt. Right. And um, I remember once coming out of school, you have a certain amount of time that you can leave your your loans in deferment. So you don't have to pay anything and whatever. Right. And, you know, you're working in the in the corporate world for some time and then you realize, okay, you spent all this time in school and then you realize, well, I still need more schooling. Like I still need to do more things like you need certifications, you need different things and it's not just like a one and done, right? Because many times you're thinking in the beginning when you start off that, okay, I just need to go to university or college or whatever, and that, that, that's it, and it's not, right? And the challenges of being a single mom, you know, you have to, you have to make your dollars work for you a lot harder because it's not just yourself, right? Um, and then realizing, okay, I got to a point where the deferments were done, and then the real payment started, like they kicked in and I was just like, oh my God, I need a second job, <laughs> right? So I had to get a second job and I had two jobs and then I decided to go back to school to um, further uh, invest in further certifications from a financial perspective and then as well as going back to school um, to get my project management certification and other certifications as well. So that all that costs money, right? And then you're, and you had very little time. So I know what that's like to really be stretched, not just from a money perspective, but from a time perspective. So I knew because of the fact that my resources, um, like, you know, I wasn't struggling, but I had to really make use of the resources that I had. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need help on a different level. Yeah, money is necessary, but um, it isn't just the money, but being able to have the help for people to help you along with whatever it is that you're doing, whether it be childcare um, or just moral support too. Mm-hmm. How did you do all of that? I don't know. <laughs> like, honestly, I'm like, what was your daily life? That, like, how did that even, how are you momming and working two jobs and going back to school? Like, I don't even, my brain can't even compute that doing that without cloning yourself twice. Yeah, well, I had parents um, mm-hmm. that really did help. Um, and they did step in and they, you know, provided assistance along the way. Right. Um, but then again, those were for like the times I had to work or, um, you know, and my son's father as well definitely did chip in and did help. But again, the, the, the responsibility, the majority of it was still on me. So even when, when weekends would come and, you know, I got to dedicate time for schoolwork, it was like I remember numerous Saturdays going to the library with my son and 
setting him up to do a set of uh, work at the table while I'm doing work at the table <laughs> and the constant interruptions or whatever. But yeah, I, you just have to make it work. You just get so determined and say it just has to get done. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to find an excuse. You just know this is something that you need to do because I knew for myself that this isn't just about me anymore. I need to be able to position myself so that not only I could just survive, but provide something more for him in the future. Mm-hmm. And he's in college now? Yes. That's amazing. <sighs> You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I want to give you an award just for being you and everything <laughs> you've accomplished in your life so far. And you're like just getting started in so many ways. You know what I mean? It's like yes. lifetimes, lifetimes yes. of achievement already. Um, yeah, that's so great. So I have another question for you that this is a question that I ask everyone, every guest. <laughs> okay. And it's a fun one. And I All feel right. like based on our conversation so far, I, I'm wondering if I can even psychically or, or just like, <laughs> just like intelligently deduce what your answer might be. Mm. But, um, but here's the question. Now that you're like, dr- I've just drum rolled it with all of my insane rambling. But <laughs> the question is, if you had $5 million that was just deposited into your bank account by some generous benefactor, so it's a gift. It's tax-free. There's no strings attached. You don't have to do anything for it. It's just yours. It appears and it's there. It's like, poof, here you go. Here's $5 million. You're not going to get arrested. <laughs> like nothing's going to happen. <laughs> it's yours. Um, what would you do with that money? Hmm. Well, first off, it's for me is – building wealth is a big thing for me. So a good portion of that would really be about strategically taking that money and investing in different things. So that could start to turn uh, profits in different ways for me. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely giving back to uh, friends and family. Uh, one, one of the things I've always said to myself that if I ever was ever to come into like, you know, a large lump sum of money, I would love to, you know, send all of my, um, my friends, kids, and my younger cousins and whatnot to school. Because I'm very, I'm, I really do believe in education. And then also being able to take that a certain amount of that money as well, and putting it aside to build my foundation to help single women as I, uh, excuse me, single mothers, as I indicated. And then the rest is just to get my vision board expedited. <laughs> really. <laughs> it needs to get expedited. <laughs> so I have a question on that. This is a follow-up question that I've never asked, any, asked anyone else. So you can be the first. Okay. Um, so let's say that you, you know, if it's 5 million or 10 million or whatever the number is for you, let's say that you've checked everything off on your vision board. Like it's Mm -hmm. like everything on there is yours. It's done. It's paid off. It's done. Um, and we're here, like we're, we're 10 years in the future Mm -hmm. or five years in the future or where, however, in the far in the future we're in where, you know, 
you have your foundation, you have the house, you have all the other trips that you, um, just all the other things on your vision board. You've been able to send some friends and family members, children's to, children to school. You feel really good about your investments. Like, what do you think that version of you will want? Like, what do you see as a possible next step for that version of you? What's on that person? What's on that version's vision board? I see it as how can I how can I expand differently, mm. right? Um, what do I what do I not know right now that I need to know at that point, right? So how can I give bigger? How can I spend more time with people? How can I find different ways to help people? Right, because at that point, if you're saying that's 10 years, I've, I've established all these things that I'm on, on my vision board, I have the foundation, then I'm a lot, I'm a lot uh, further than I am right now. So I'll have more influence, I'll know more people. And to me, once you have all the trinkets and the experiences, like the main things that you've thought about, I really do believe it just boils down to how can I just continue to serve on a bigger level, really? Because it's not about my, it's, I really don't feel it's just about me. It's like, I feel I'm here to help others. Now, whether I'm doing that through a business, uh, whether I'm doing that from a charity aspect, whether I'm doing that through friendship, whether I'm doing that from being a sister, a wife, a friend, whatever. I just think that we're just all try here. We need to expand to be able to help one another, give to one another. So if all those things are taken care of, that just leaves me a lot of room to be doing other things, like to help mm. pitch in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we, uh, we all need a lot of help. The world yeah. needs so much help. So yeah. because I mean, we all bring so many different things to the table, right? And, you know, if you could lend your expertise in some way to solve some problem somewhere, whether it's really tiny or whether it's really big and go and do it. If there's nothing, there's no job or no obligation or no nothing like you've done it all. Really? What else is there for you to do? Cause it is, you can't sit there to, in my view and make it everything about yourself. Cause that's not going to, to me, that's not going to get you very far. Mm -hmm. I love that. Speaking of giving back, <laughs> I happen to know that you have a revenue calculator that you've created to make like some financial assessments easier for people. Is that correct? Yes. Can you tell us about that and like where to find it and all of that stuff? Yes. So um, the calculator is basically for the entrepreneurs. So many times the question is, well, I want to bring home a certain amount of money at the end of the month, but I don't know what that, what that revenue amount would be that I would need to make in order to bring home net, like say 10 grand. Cause if you say mm -hmm. you want to bring home 10 grand, you're, you need to make a lot more than $10,000 a month, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's taxes, there's business expenses. Um, and there's your profit that you need to allocate to continue to put back into the business and reinvest. Mm -hmm. So you need to figure out what that dollar amount is. So that's what the calculator is for. 
And you can find that calculator at www.moneybasics.ca uh, slash rev calculator. Awesome. And I'll be putting that link in the show notes too. So um, for those of you who are like, oh my goodness, I need to write that down or grab that link. I will be linking this up in the show notes. So you can always go check it out um, on the website. Yes. Awesome. Nichelle, this has been so amazing and enlightening and such a pleasure. I could talk to you all day about all <laughs> kinds of topics, but this yes. has been so incredibly valuable, I'm sure. Um, is there any other place where you, where people should kind of come stalk you and find you that you want to send them to? Yes. You can find me on Instagram at money basics. Yes. I know you and I like to chat on Instagram a lot. So. Well, Nichelle, thank you so much. This has been super amazing and I'm just, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money, and don't go anywhere without hitting that subscribe button. Remember, after the show, it's the after party. Remember, we do a weekly after party on Facebook Live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Each week, I'll be jamming there live on special actionable takeaways for you from that week's episode. So go to creativesmakingmoney.com slash afterparty to join us. And if you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives, you totally can. Part of the purpose of this podcast is to create conversation and community. And my biggest hope is that you continue that convo in our private online Facebook lounge. Just head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash group to join our free listeners group. And as always, you can find all the important links and details from this week's episode in our episode show notes. They're available at creativesmakingmoney.com slash B. That's N. E-C-H-E-L-L-E-B. Do not hesitate to head over there now and grab all of those awesome links. And as always, create like you mean it.